Welcome to life, bringing you insight and experiences into love, relationships, and fertility with a focus on enjoying life and moving forward. On today's podcast, we'll discuss incorporating a practical perspective into life with Dr. Jeffrey Zahn, an OB anesthesiologist at Mount Sinai in New York City and mindfulness instructor. Welcome to life, love, insight, fertility, experiences. I'm here today with Dr. Jeffrey Zahn to discuss practical perspectivism, a term he's coined. I hope today's episode provides you with insight and tools to incorporate practical perspective into your life. Thank you, Laurie. It's great to be here. I'm thrilled to be able to talk to people about this. You know, I was so excited when I first spoke to you because it seemed like what you're trying to, to impart in people in terms of practical perspective and the story you first told me about being an anesthesiologist and having to go up to people and speak to them for the first time and have them have a perspective of comfort and security was profound. And so that in conjunction with the fact that you do teach mindfulness is pretty powerful. And I was hoping that today we could share some practical tools and understanding of what it is that you believe and have people walk away with an understanding of maybe what they could really do in real life, not just what they maybe read in a book or hear about in through a meditation. These are great thoughts. Uh, yes, as an anesthesiologist, we have very little time to build a relationship with our patients. and. Yet we need to have a very trusting relationship with our patients. So, so it's great to be able to have a, a demeanor, develop a, a style and a demeanor and a perspective on the events that are about to unfold that make it easy to relate to a patient and let them relate back to you so that we can work together as a team because it's about teamwork. Well, especially the fact that you're an OB anesthesiologist, because um, in many cases, people are able to go to sleep. And when you go to sleep, the anxiety is still very profound. But when you have to be up and go through an experience of delivering a child, you really do have to work as a team. So the perspective is so important. Right. And in the in the labor room or in the cesarean section room, it really is multiple people that are involved. It's not just the patient, but it's the patients, significant other, sometimes there's a labor coach or there's parental uh, visitors as well. So it's really quite a large group of people to relate to Mm -hmm. all at the same time and different anxieties in each of those people in the room. Well, it sounds very overwhelming to me, (laughs) to be honest with you, you know, to be surrounded by that many people at a time when you're not comfortable. And if it's a first delivery, you're, you're nervous, you're scared. So if we take that experience, we bring it into everyday life. How do we, how do we manage? How do we go through life where we have all of these anxieties come up and just be present in the moment and pay attention to what's going on and Make that conscious choice to be there, not to be someplace else. Well, so that takes us back to the idea that the labor room really is a a version of life at large. We are often in a situation where we may be a little uncomfortable, uh, anxious about 
what's going on in front of us or anxious about other things going on in our life at the same time and surrounded by multiples of different people that we need to relate to. So there's lots of similarities in what I do for my work every day and what life is like in general for all of us. And that's true for the patients and the families on the other side as well. We're often in those uncomfortable positions and we have to find ways to relate. And the more that we can come back to the idea that I'm looking at the situation, I'm acting in this situation, I'm present in this situation, and allay our anxieties, pay attention, be present for the things that are going on in front of us rather than the things that are going on in our heads, allows us to transcend the moment and function. Yeah, well, that makes sense, you know, because there's always a few conversations going on, right? There's the actual conversation, there's what you're thinking, and then there's what you're saying. It's which conversation do you want to pay attention to? And we all have anxiety. Whether, you know, I, I worked all morning this morning, and whether I'm talking to somebody about the fertility journey they're on or about a date that they went on that wasn't the way they wanted it to be or a conversation they had with their boss or their spouse, it's all how do you look at yourself, be in that moment, and experience it, acknowledge what you're going through, and think about how to proceed. So that's where practical perspectivism really comes into play in a moment-to-moment lifestyle functionality in that we realize that every situation, the ones that we're involved in physically in front of us, the ones that we're involved in figuratively in our heads, those thoughts, we can look at those any number of ways. And we have this experience in our lives all the time. That, you know, A classic would be, are, are you looking at the glass half empty or half full? Yes. They're both true. The glass is filled to a midline. And how we choose to look at that glass will engender a whole set of feelings and emotions and affect the actions that we take thereafter. And we are responsible for those choices all the time. It's a big responsibility. Mm, it's it's always there, so it's uh, there's no getting away from it, and it's just how life is. I know, and so many times it's unconscious, and we don't realize that it is our choice if the glass is half empty or half full. While it's a big responsibility, it can be very empowering as well. Yes. We often feel that other factors in life, other people, other events are affecting, are controlling us, are forcing us to do things, and when we t- rest control of it for ourselves when we take the responsibility for our own individual selves as practical perspectivism encourages us to do that can make all the difference in easing the anxiety because we know psychologically lack of control is stressful and when we're in control it's much more empowering it is much more empowering and also it takes self-confidence sure and you know assurance in your own decisions in order to do that Correct. But we, we make our decisions all the time anyway. So We do. <laughs> we just don't, we don't always take that moment. You know, I always use the expression pause and perspective. But we don't always take that moment to pause for a minute and get that perspective. Sure. And so incorporating this practical piece and this cognizant behavior towards it is, is profound. I know I used that word before, but I'm using it again. It reminds me of something that you put in your book, which is The Road Less Traveled. One of, my, one of the greatest poems ever written in, in all the millennia of poetry writing. Robert Frost, yeah. my favorite poet. It's so true. It, it really is. And when you think about 
the road less traveled, you think about control and you think about making your decision and knowing that maybe your decision will have bumps in the road. Right. And it's, it's the variety of choices and the recognition of the factors that are going into the choice being made. Mm -hmm. Though this one has leaves less traveled by, I took the other as just as fair. So we're, it's a matter of being practical, looking at what is laid out in front of you. And, and this visualization. And knowing that you're making a choice. Yes, yes. It, it's knowing that you're doing it, and it's just like making any choice. Sometimes it's as simple as when you want to empower a child, and you just want that baby to eat, and you say, what do you want, tuna fish or peanut butter and jelly? And the choice doesn't matter to you. Your goal is that this child eat, and you're empowering the child to make that choice. Absolutely. Though uh, my wife and I learned a little bit the hard way about uh, giving that empowering ideas to those empowering ideas to children with our daughter, you know, it was always the red plate or the blue plate, the you know, the the big cup or the little cup, and the kid gets to make learn how to make choices, which is great. And then they start to feel that they always get to make the decisions. <laughs> so yeah, there's a little bit of tempering that as well. But right, good. right, that's true. That's funny. In this case. It, it is empowering, though, when we're thinking Absolutely. about choices in this life. Absolutely. when we become adults in life, sure. It is. And if we use fertility as an example, because it's such a, a specific example of making choices, because that journey is choices all the way. It's choices from the time you decide that you want to try and get pregnant until you figure out how you're going to conceive and how you're going to have that family. There's so many roads, and there's so many little side streets, and... Uh, caveats. I, I love that you lump it all together in fertility because I know that you deal a lot with infertility as well and the choice to pursue that that road. Um, but all of fertility is a choice. All of having families and growing is a choice. And, and we're making those choices. Even continuing on with a pregnancy is making a choice. It Even if it happened in an unplanned fashion, you're still making a choice to continue on with it or not. And all of these things are personal, individual, active choices. Yes. And not to get political, but look what's going on today in the world over a woman's right to choose. And that's the big fight is really taking away choice, disempowering people. And, and that's not freedom. And also oh, a whole another subject. <laughs> yes, that is. But I, I'm not going to go there. What we're going to talk about, I think, is really the practical component of being able to make a choice and the practical component of your perspective in making your choice right? and how we fight for that. So that's where mindfulness really comes in quite a bit in the practice of practical perspectivism. It's they're, they're completely dovetailed together. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really a, a seamless where one begins and the other takes off and continues or, or uh, drops into, falls into the other uh, because we have to be, present and mindful that we are making those choices. Uh, we are making the choices regardless. Right. The more we are present and conscious of our choices, the more we can affect our own choices, the more we could uh, be further aware of the bigger picture in which we're making those choices. I, I talk about uh, fact in my practice, focus, awareness, uh, compassion and trust and how I teach my uh, residents and students to build relationships with their patients. But the focus is the thing that's in front of us. The awareness is the bigger picture in which it's happening. And when we're making choices, we want to both be focused on what's in front of us, but we need to 
see the bigger picture involved in where we want to be, what we want to do, who it's going to affect, and how that how that's going to process out. So if we're having anxiety associated with our choice, which is not an uncommon thing, how do we do that? How do we calm ourselves to be able to gain practical perspective? Well, great question. The, the calming almost always comes down to being mindful to breathe. We can breathe. It's one of the few things, one of the few uh, involuntary things that we do, like our heartbeat is an involuntary thing that's happening in our bodies all the time. Our breath is generally an involuntary thing, but we can rest control of our breath much more easily than we can rest, rest control of our heart rate. And mindfulness teaches us to come back to the breath. And once we come back to a, focusing on our breath, we can then come back to a steady place of calmness from which to make decisions going forward. And while decision-making can be anxiety-provoking, we also have to know that we're making the decisions anyway. We're going to be making the choices. So removing the anxiety, letting go of the anxiety. The anxiety is a thought, and mindfulness teaches us that thoughts are things. They're not reality of what's we're do what we're doing in front of us. Being able to let go of the thought of the anxiety lets us focus on the decision to be made, and the more we can drawing the greater awareness of that, the more powerful and confident we can be in our decisions rather than anxious about it. Right. So what I do very often with people is um, I suggest that you can go back to your breath because we are breathing and because it allows us to see how often we can't focus on our breath. And so it allows us to say, wait, this thought won't go away. And not so much then the breath for calming, which of course it does and you get there, but more the acknowledgement of this thought and this fear and this anxiety. So if you can take that moment and focus on your breath, then maybe you can look at that thought that's causing the anxiety and just think, well, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe if I really look at it this way instead of that way, there's a solution. And that could be calming as well. So I like to use the breath for that as well. That was beautiful. You just put the practical and the perspective <laughs> well, <thank you. laughs> into the into the breath and, and, and tied it all back to mindfulness as well, right? It was being practical, mm -hmm. calming the breath, looking at the anxiety, and then taking another perspective on it, looking at it a different way. And, th and that's all really perspectivism is. It's on the other hand, it could be anything. So if somebody is going through fertility, I'm using fertility, of course, because that is my something that I'm specialized in, but also because it's a great um, analogy for so many things in life that we go through, whether it's work-related, personal-related, or health-related, we have these choices. And as you're saying, the choices don't stop. They just keep continuing, and we hope for the outcome that we want. So along the way, there will be anxiety, and there'll be some positive things as well. When you're going through something challenging, how do you really, in a practical way, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but how do you, in a practical way, keep focused and keep positive? Because it's very hard to do sometimes. But ultimately, if you're going through a journey like fertility, you are basically positive and hopeful about having a family. Well, it's a, a great paradox within my conceptualization of mindfulness as it applies to practical perspectivism because there's an emphasis in both about 
being present, being in the moment, right? But there's also a implicit need to continue to have your eyes on the prize, have your awareness of where you're trying to get to, the world, the family that you're trying to build. So that goal. That's the goal, right? <laughs> and everything, every choice that you're making along the way, you're making with your ability and your knowledge in the moment to achieve that goal. So when you get anxious or when you lose sight of what your perspective is, because all of these thoughts are going around in your head, what I hear you suggesting is just take that moment, but keep in mind that you're working towards a goal. You're working towards what it is that you want to achieve. So when the anxiety comes up regarding which decision to make, well, it would be the decision that would best help you take that next step towards that goal. It's that simple. Peace should never be more than a breath away. If you can get it down to one breath, all right, sometimes it takes two or three, but the idea is that that breath will slow you, allow you to see the picture, allow you to refocus on your goals, and then be able to draw from all that's going on around you the widest uh, array of ideas, choices, and then make a conscious, as wise as we can in the moment, decision to achieve our goals. And then anxiety sort of just melts away. Right, so it sounds so simple, but it's really not. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't want to throw a wrench into it's, it. It's not, but people should be reminded that it's easier than not doing it. I agree with you, and I agree with your philosophy. I'm just kind of giving you a little bit of a devil's advocate here. And lots of times when I talk to people about this, which I'm sure you have the same experience, because you do teach the courses, um, which is really for people who are trying to deal with stress, what I find is that I have to allow people to express the anxiety, or express the sadness, identify the thought, understand the emotion, and then just let them know, acknowledge to yourself that that's okay. You're allowed to have those feelings, and you're allowed to have those thoughts. That's a little freeing. And then once you know what they are, well, then we could just take a minute and figure out what we want to do. Absolutely. And the idea is we all always will find ourselves looking down the dark alleys. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a question of how, what tools we have to find our way back to a, a forward-moving path. And practical perspectivism is mindfulness. So those are a couple of ways that we can get there faster. We're, we're going to try and get there. Is there a difference between practical perspectivism and mindfulness? Sure. Well, mindfulness is sort of a part of practical perspectivism in that mindfulness really teaches us to come back to the present moment, mm -hmm. to let go of our thoughts. And that's why we say the breath. The breath. It doesn't necessarily have to be the breath, but it's let's center ourselves in the present, and usually the breath is the easiest way to do that. Right. When we think about physically breathing, it takes actually a lot of our mind to do so, and we then tend to stop focusing on the thoughts that are distracting us, the thoughts that are provoking the anxiety. So for a moment or two or three, we're back in our own selves, and then we can start again. It's like re-firing uh, up the engine. Um, and that's the focus on the breath, and that's the beautiful part about it. But practical perspectivism takes it another step. It's that, okay, once we get to that center, what do we want to do? 
let's look That's again excellent. at where we want to go and how can I get there? I could take that road. I could take the middle road. I could take the road to the far right. Where are each of those roads going to lead? And if I don't know, well, okay, I'm going to choose one. And if I'm finding that that road is not the pretty happy, successful road that I want, I can always change again. And you don't have to make that choice by yourself, right? You can make it with your support system or the people around you. Absolutely. And we always do also. Practical perspectivism isn't really anything new. It's what we do all the time, every day. It's just sort of putting it into a simpler language to recognize that, oh, yeah, that is what we do. I should be more conscious of it and maybe do it a little more thoughtfully. Well, that's the beauty of it. It's like, let's just pay attention to what we're normally doing and look at it and just say, wait, 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 let's just slow down and be cognizant of it. Just pay attention to it. Exactly so. Yeah, and we can call on our support systems. And sometimes we love the support systems, and sometimes we cannot stand them, depending on the feedback and what we're looking for. Yes, we were talking earlier about uh, my own personal scenarios going on right now with my right. uh, with my mother-in-law, my, my wife, my family, uh, and getting through challenging times with uh, aging and uh, the frailties that occur in later in life. They are our support system. And sometimes our support system is challenging us and pushing us sometimes for what we feel the good and sometimes is more than we can do at, as the individual in the moment. That's okay, too. Mm-hmm. We'll get there together in time as best we can. Yeah, and sometimes a support group is very helpful at those points in time. Or sometimes somebody from the outside is very helpful because there's so much emotion tied to immediate family that they sometimes they just never seem to say the right thing. Well, oftentimes it's it's easier to hear it from someone else. Yes. Uh, when I was a very little kid, I had trouble learning to go underwater at the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. And I was about six years old at the community public pool, and a neighbor said to my father, who was a very proud man, <laughs> what do you mean? How could this be? And he took me, whisked me away to the other pool, and put me under the water, and I <laughs> swam ever since. So it's it's when it's your family, sometimes it's a little harder. So the support group are great, and we need them when we need them. Yes. But sometimes it's okay to look outside of that, and neither the group nor the individual should ever feel weird or uncomfortable about that because sometimes you just have to hear it elsewhere. Right, and when you were talking about your family just now and the decisions for what everybody's going through – Everybody in the family has a different perspective of a situation. And each person's perspective is valid. Absolutely. And that is, again, it's one of the precepts in the 10 precepts of practical perspectivism is that all, nearly all, most ways of looking at anything are valid. There Absolutely. can be nearly an infinite number of ways of looking at anything, and all of them could be true from the perspective that you're looking at it. Yes, Absolutely, I agree with you. So we are free to choose how we want to proceed with validity behind it. We are, but then not everything is black and white. There's a lot of gray in the world. It's mostly all gray. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So, so that allow to me that grayness allows for a great deal of freedom. When those rarities occur and it's black and white, and we we all agree on what's true and what's false, there's no freedom there. The decision's already made. The rest of life is uh, is gray, and we don't know whether it's right until time has passed and we can look back on it. So if somebody's looking at like these different shades of gray, 
And I think that it's powerful and it is empowering, but it's also scary. It's like, well, which shade of gray do I want to go with? Because the people I find also that get the most scared about the shade of gray are the people who want to see black and white. Now, all of us in some sense want black and white because it's a clear-cut decision. But that, that decision really takes not just the perspective, but the end game, that goal that you're working towards. So one of the ways I find to deal with that and how uh, practical perspectivism teaches us to, to approach that is to rest in the knowledge that I can change at any time. I can choose a different perspective and with that different feelings and different emotions and different actions at any time. Yes. I have the freedom mm-hmm. and the power to do so. So it makes the gray a little less frightening. Which is perfect. We make these decisions and we think they're all hard and fast. And they're not. There's very few that are. So most of them we could say, wait a minute, you know, I don't really want to do it that way. Or this isn't working for me right now. And so I need to change. And just like the poem, we need to take a little side street. It doesn't mean we're not going to get to the end. It just means we're taking a detour. Right. And how do you be true to yourself and feel free to do what you want to do based on your perspective and your goals if you're not able to because there's different kinds of confines, you know, of confines? And that would really be now your choice. Right. And your action. So if you choose to stay, you have to realize that you've made the choice to stay and you're going to live within those confines, fight against them as you may. Or make the decision that you're going to stay and just know that this is the way it is and have some level of being okay with it. We equate choice with freedom. And not having choices is a lack of freedom. We like to believe that we have freedom in this country and freedom and choice go together. Well, you mentioned a couple of times these precepts. Could you elaborate on what the precepts are? Because they all sound pretty powerful as you discuss them. Sure. So I set up uh, a, a list of 10 precepts that, that can get you uh, get one back into a perspectivist mindfold. And that is that we have uh, responsibility for our choices. We choose to do everything that we do. It's hard to make a motion with the hand, a s- take a step without making a choice to do so. So we choose to do everything we do. We're responsible for those choices. Nobody's forcing us to turn left or turn right or stop dead in our tracks or, or run. We choose to do that. So we're responsible for our choices. And we choose how to look at it all the time. Did we look at it, the glass half full? Did we look at the glass half empty? And so the feelings that come with it are engendered by those perspectives. We can change those perspectives anytime we want, change how we're looking at it anytime we want. And it's really our imagination that we rely on to envision other ways of looking at any situation. So that gets us through about the first six or seven uh, uh, precepts. And then, since the book is Choose Happiness, about that I describe as the Perspectivist Handbook, is really about how to be happy with our choices, we have to allow that we can be happy. We have to believe that we can be. We have to believe that it's okay to be happy and that happiness is a thing that is achievable. 
and then we have to, again, own responsibility for our choices. That's how we get there. It really places a lot of the onus on the person. I, for one, like it there. I don't want other people controlling me. I want to be responsible for my own self. I was taught responsibility at a young age. You put things back where you find them, you know, use tools with care. Own it. And it's, again, I find it both incredibly empowering. It is empowering. And uh, at the same time, it, uh, fr- no, it, it, it frees you up. It, it's, it becomes so much less scary when you start to do it. Right. The first step is for those baby steps. And that's what you need to work on, I think, the baby steps towards getting to what you're recommending. For sure. And as we know with mindfulness, anything that you practice Mm -hmm. becomes easier the more you do it. Absolutely. And riding a bicycle, it's very challenging, nearly impossible the first time. But every time after that, it gets a little easier and a little easier and a little easier. Uh It's a little bit muscle memory. It's what meditation teaches us. I, I always like to think I'm living my life as a meditation and meditating teaches you to fall in, to go back to the breath easier, to fall into your uh, patterns that you want to be in easier. So this is just another pattern of living. And I also like to think of perspectivism and owning the responsibility for it as a moral imperative, really, because if I'm always blaming others, then I'm not re- responsible, and uh, it's sort of puts the onus on others and that's not a very good moral place to be we want to really be in charge of our own selves and responsible yeah. it's also not good for relationships to put the onus on other people absolutely because not they don't really want that and they don't deserve that necessarily so i took a mindfulness-based stress reduction course i found it centering after i allowed myself to participate like after i was able to get past certain pieces um, it didn't take me long to do that, but there were people struggling, I noticed. What I liked so much about it was that the instructor went into the struggle and acknowledged that it's okay to have that struggle. And those people, I think, are the ones that were practicing the longest. Interesting. Yeah, the, I, I took the uh, very similar, I think, with uh, one of the same teachers, the MBSR class, uh-huh. Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. I have to, always have to credit John Kabat-Zinn for coming up with that. Um, but it's a very powerful course, and it didn't provide for me a whole lot of material that I haven't come across already. In fact, I had written about uh, the MBSR courses uh, five years earlier when I wrote the book. But to do it, to actually practice it, to be part of the classes for the eight weeks, to do the five-hour silent retreat was absolutely eye-opening. Again, it was, for me, nothing particularly new, but to practice it was beautiful and uh, as you said in the in the cohort that we were with there were those who were had an easier time with it there were those who had done the course before and those who really struggled with it really struggled accepting the concept doing the practice and they benefited the most they had the largest growth curve you had the same experience those were the ones who benefited the most i think when you use the word meditation for many many people it's a little too far out there and so to bring it back to a practical piece is makes it much more doable. 
So thank you. Thank you for coming on and explaining this today and giving us an overview. And maybe we'll be able to get into it a little bit more and some of the other pieces at another point in time. Thank you so much for having me. I would love to. Uh, we spent a, a good bit of time talking about practical perspectivism, indeed, and I would love to spend more time talking about how it applies to fertility and the and the road, uh, and how we might be able to reach out to people to to use it in their journey. Yes. Well, thank you. We touched on it, but that would be fabulous. Is there anything that you would like to tell anybody or how to get a hold of you if they wanted to contact you or find out about your book? You can look up my website, uh, practicalperspectivism.com. Uh, you can find me in the Mount Sinai system as Dr. Jeffrey Zahn. Uh, there's uh, contact availability through there. And that would be easiest. I am on uh, Facebook and Instagram as well as Perspectivist MD. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much. And if anybody has any questions or comments, please feel free to contact me at lauriemetz.net. <laughs>